0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to my first business the podcast. I'm your host, name Parvez, and I'm a relatively new and sometimes clueless business owner, and I wanted to talk to seasoned entrepreneurs to help guide me and inspire me and help me understand the best way to grow my own business. So, I wanted to learn about what mistakes to avoid, how to overcome common challenges, and how to identify opportunities. And that's why I created this show for you, dear listener. So if you're running a new business or an old one, I don't care, I'm not an ageist. I bring on guests from all sorts of industries and they are full of wisdom that you'll chew right up. And each episode is going to be like a conversation with a mentor that you never had. This episode is brought to you by Digitalina. Now I might be a bit biased as the owner of the business, but I think we've cracked the code when it comes to lead generation for service-based businesses my co-founder who also happens to be my wife and I have spent years building out our own system of advertising that gets businesses new, high quality leads day in and day out all on autopilot to find out if we can do this for you and what kind of results you can expect let's schedule a free discovery call using our website that's www.digitalina.io now without further ado let's get on to the episode just a quick note this is part one of a two-part conversation so after you're done with this round head over to the next episode to listen to the full interview My guest today is Alia Raja. Alia is a personal and professional development coach, corporate trainer, podcast host, entrepreneur, and founder of Coaching with Alia. She helps people develop the range of skills that they need to maximize their potential. God, I could use that. But that's not how her story starts. After studying biomedical science and then completing a master's in public health in the UK, Alia quickly climbed the corporate ladder. But as it is for some of you, it wasn't long before she realized that the boxes she was taking didn't offer the fulfillment or sense of achievement she hoped. Ali undertook her life coaching and NLP accreditations while remaining on the job and then moving into coaching full-time she initially focused on working with professional women in london attracting a song strong following at her workshops and group coaching sessions and then moved to the uae in 2018 and launched her development masterclass. and just like that she is now one of the leading coaches in the uae working with male and female clients ceos public figures celebrities professors lawyers anyone. And she has conducted training sessions for ADNOC, the Ministry of Education, the Emirates Foundation, First Abu Dhabi Bank, and Alia's got her own podcast, The Women Who Flourish. Be sure to check that out. And But today we're going to reverse the order. You're not the host, you're the guest and I'm the host. Welcome, Alia.
1: Hi, thank you. Welcome. Excited to, to be here today.
0: Thanks for coming on. Um, there's so many different ways that we can take this conversation. So I told you before we started recording that it's going to be a roller coaster uh, <laughs> in some sort and i wanted to start with something heavy
1: uh oh okay
0: so, so let's let's, let's, let's do it. the heavy stuff first um, and i figured that your personal story would kind of come out through through some of these questions but pricing okay um, so you're in service business you do coaching you do corporate training you do workshops you're basically charging for your time and your intellectual value and and you have to determine the value for your clients as mm-hmm. well. And I'm in a similar kind of industry. We A lot of the work that we do is intellectual work um, and it's not factory produced widgets that we're working on. So I just wanted to understand your philosophy on pricing today versus when you first started. So mm-hmm. what are the differences that you've seen in trying to come up with that magical number, whether it's for individuals or for corporates, like what are the building blocks? Um, and I'm, you know, I'm giving you that time to think about the different um the different building blocks on a very let's say general level that can apply to other service businesses as well right do you come up with the scope of work first and then do you assign a dollar sign to everything is it based on your time but you know enough mm-hmm. for me how do you yeah. how do you come up with pricing or four years ago versus today
1: gosh it's uh yeah I think you just took me back even, you know, asking that question. And I was thinking about, you know, me a few years ago when I was, um, you know, started doing this for free, you know, initially, because while I was training, you know, you start by just getting those practice clients, you know, not charging anyone and and building the confidence to coach and, and so doing that initially. um, And then, so for me, I actually... When I started this, I decided straight away that I'm going to get a coach and mentor. I was like, I could spend ages trying to figure this out, or I can kind of fast track my way a bit, you know, by getting some help, Um, learn from someone, as you said, you know, at the start, learn from someone who's already been there. And that's what I did. Um, So obviously we, we, you know, we, um, we went through this together and then it got to a point where he said, right, you need to start, you know, charging for this now, what you do. And I was like, you know, what, especially I think in this line of work for coaches, you know, as coaches, we just want to just do good, just help people, Just just help. And then it's like, oh, if I'm to put a price on that, that makes me a bad person. How can I do that? That feels wrong. I should just be helping and giving. It feels wrong to then it feels like I'm wanting to take from them. So, you know, I had to do a lot of money mindset work around that. I think it really hmm. starts with with that is understanding that it's energy exchange as well. Um, you know, you're providing a service, you're providing a lot of value and understanding that the, the energy exchange, you know, with that is, yeah, financials, it's, it's getting paid and it's money. Um, so I had to do a lot of kind of work on myself in that regard initially to start. And it was just kind of with small packages, something I felt comfortable with. I think it's always good to start with something you're comfortable with. Because what was the
0: first price that you remember, oh, it was
1: literally like, um, I mean, if I talk in pounds, uh, yeah, sure. so it was about like 40 pounds a session, something okay. like that. But I didn't do it per session. I did it per like six sessions. So it's kind of around like 250 pounds for like six sessions. So that was my kind of initial, you know, package back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, so, you know, that was what I, obviously it was scary to charge that, but I was like, it's not too scary that, you know, I, I can't, oh, but it's enough for me to say, okay. Um, so that was, it kind of started from then. And then I think really it just for you, as you start to grow your confidence, um, and by the way, I'll be honest here, the f- I'll tell you the story, actually, I had, um, I did four sessions with someone and three sessions. And then it got to the point where he said, right, okay, we've done four sessions now, the free sessions now I'm going to tell her if she wants to continue, you know, she's going to, it's going to charge. This is the amount. So I did the fourth session. And then I said, right, if you want to continue, um, as you knew it was four. and this is the option. And it was that kind of, Oh, thanks. But actually, you know, I Ouch. don't know if I'm going to continue right now or like, you know, uh, yeah, it's great. How can I come back to you? all that kind of stuff? And I was really, dis- I'll be honest, I cried. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, I was ready for this. And um, I was like, it's OK. Um, and I was like, let me learn how to do this. Let me learn. Because at the end of the day, it's all about and this isn't about manipulation, by the way, because I think there is that kind of line where people can think when you say you want to learn, it's not about that, but it's about the way you deliver the message of, hey, this is the service if you, you know, this is the price point, etc., etc. So. Um, For me, it was just a matter of obviously, as I've kind of built, you know, the services, you know, the different clients I work with and just knowing the value, I think, obviously, as you, the, the value that I offer in the coaching only goes up. I mean, I've invested thousands in my own mentoring, my own coaching courses, workshops. And so that's what I bring to the coaching. It's not like an hour session it's like hours and hours and thousands thousand, of thousand pounds that I've invested in myself and, and the, the, the content and the knowledge to be able to deliver that. So I think as that, as that increases, that then is reflected in, you know, your price points.
0: Yeah. So when you're coming up with your proposals or packages or programs yeah. and you're defining what you will do and what they will get, um, do, you, do you think about pricing things individually or as a whole? And does the price change depending on who you're talking to, or is it the same?
1: So I have set prices. So I have, mm-hmm. um, a set coaching package. It's either mm-hmm. like two different weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks. Um, and it's a set price. So, you know, I don't do the whole like one-off coaching or one-off sessions, unless it's like, look, I've got a presentation or I've got an interview coming up. Mm-hmm. But on the whole, I, I, my kind of way is about taking people on a journey. And so the best way to do that is to work with them over a period of time. And I think it comes with that level of commitment as well. I want people who are committed, not like, let me just try this. And, you know, if it doesn't, whatever. But of Mm -hmm. course, I offer um, a complimentary discovery call. Sometimes that's up to an hour with the person. And so we really kind of delve deep and see if we're a right fit. And Mm -hmm. then based on that, so they pick the two. But no, it's um, the two set, you know, that I have. And of course, my workshops and then my trainings, they're all set prices that I have and that again, I felt comfortable, you know, over time and I feel right.
0: How did they become set? I'm, I'm guessing a bit of experimentation happened. Did you try really odd numbers? Did you try going more than you ever think you would ask for and then come back down? Was there, was there a process to get to something that's a bit more set in stone?
1: Yeah, I think a couple of years ago I did do that where, and I knew it was a jump, you know, I knew it was a big jump. But I tried it and it didn't feel quite right or, you know, it was reflected in the way I delivered it. And I thought, actually, let me come down and do something that feels more comfortable for me to then be able to say. But um,
0: about experimenting with prices, so I'll give you a bit of context of why I asked this as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've been in sales for my entire career. Uh, so as a new grad um, with a degree in finance, the only job I was able to get was one that required cold calling 40 times a day. Um five days a week, 30 days a month or whatever Mm. it is and hit my targets. Mm. And it was insane because no one teaches you, you know, pricing, negotiation, not as manipulation, but as negotiation, as energy exchange. And I'll ask you about energy exchange in a bit as well. And um, I brought that kind of mindset um, into the business where Alina and I, when we work together on pricing, um, because she doesn't have that sales background and she has that help attitude. I just want to help out. I want to help mm. small businesses. There's always been a reluctance in either moving that level up. And then we talk to other agencies that do what we do, but charge three times more, four times more. They might, they might be less experience than us too, but they do it with such confidence. Mm. And so we're, we're always kind of finding different ways to experiment with pricing. Yeah. First thing that you said is something that we're trying to do is like, uh, something that we've done is set the scope of work. This is what I mm-hmm. do. There's no, I don't do many more any more bespoke stuff because that's um, interferes with your pricing strategy. Every time you try to do something bespoke or a one-off kind of thing, you have to redo the whole thing. Okay, it's going to take me this much effort. It's so over six weeks, and now it's not. It's not going to continue. Is it going to continue? Uh, so from that perspective, what kind of experiments of these? price points and how often do you let's let's ask this how often do you check in with yourself am i charging what i'm worth Mm -hmm. does that Mm -hmm. happen throughout your did that happen throughout Mm -hmm. your journey
1: yeah so i um i think as, as you mentioned like you have to learn how to sell right um and what i realized early on is that you know the coaching is only one part of this and then the business side is very different like they're two different hats And so I had to learn the skill and the art of selling. And so this is where my mentoring came in. So when I was still in London, I would have um, a sales coach. Actually, when I moved here as well, he's in the UK, but I'd go back and forth. Um, and I had a sales coach and mentor that I worked with and we did a lot of this and, and then my mentors following on from that. And it was like, what feels comfortable? And I would have to be coached around that as well and coached into what is it that you're offering? So we, we talk about the transformation that I take my clients on, you know? Um, and that's what you've got to think about. You know, it's not just a session. If you think about it, that you're really devaluing what it is that you offer, but you know, they go from being someone who is like they don't they shy away from opportunities, they don't speak up, they lack confidence in themselves, they're not looking after themselves, their fitness, their health, well-being. And then suddenly they're getting themselves out there, you know, they're being active, they're speaking up at work, they're presenting, getting promoted, starting businesses. I mean, there's ROI there as well for them. But like all of these things, that like, you can't put a price point on that, right? So it's looking at the transformation and being like, what is the value in that?
0: Yeah. It's not as the fitness industry has it nice, right? They can do a before and after picture and put a tag Mm. on this. Like this is you with Mm. a big round belly. This is you with six pack abs. And here's how much it would cost to get there. And it's so (laughs) clean and clear. Uh, We're lucky that in our business that we do have measurable ROI. So when we do our work for our clients, we run an advertising agency. And every time we run ads, we can directly know which ad gave us how much revenue for that client. So we can do the math and be like, okay, we contributed X amount to yours. But um, the point I'm taking away from this is especially for Alina. So Alina and I listen to these podcasts like off off, uh, uh, around our work hours to kind of learn and improve. And she's never had uh, sales training, but she's such a natural. Mm. But at the same time, the confidence to be able to charge your worth Mm. is something that, you know, she knows that she needs to work on as well so maybe i can recommend that as working with some sort of a sales coach to kind of charge what you're worth because a lot of people are worth a lot more than they ask for yeah and i i I work with some people sometimes and and i just look at them and like wait that's it that's Mm -hmm. that's all you're going to charge me for everything that you're giving me yeah and they're quite happy to take it yeah as well so
1: i mean to add to that um, i I've been in that situation as well and I personally haven't valued it and I've actually not gone to certain masterminds or groups because I felt it was too cheap and I didn't think that it would be good. Mm. So for me, like again, it's that perception of if something you feel is underpriced or you think it's not worth a lot, you don't think it's going to be good. And yes, of course, a higher price doesn't always mean it's going to be good, better, but there that perception is there. Um, I've personally found that on my journey as well, as I've gone through the, you know the um, the past few years, when you charge less, people want to negotiate more. They want to like you know try and bring down the price. They want more of your time and this and that. But as it increases and and your your value increases and your worth increases within yourself, you start to attract clients who it's just a lot more effortless. It just more it just flows more. A lot better relationships as well
0: are you are you reading my notes because that's my that's my segue <laughs> my, my next I can't read upside down <laughs> my next question was going to be about ideal versus non-ideal clients are you are you better now than you were at the start of your journey in figuring out what that means and drawing the lines for yourself
1: yeah i would say like i i'm so grateful like i work with my ideal clients like mm-hmm. they're just amazing they're incredible um and they're just people. And I think it's again, like how the, the sort of message that you put out there. And I think I'm quite clear in, in who I want to work with. And I think even early on as well, um, you've got to, and I know it's hard because when you're at the stage where you're like, I need clients, I need to, you know, I need clients, I need money. You just want to work with everyone. Um, and that isn't, doesn't always bring, you know, the, the best outcomes. So even early on, you've got to decide who you want to work with. Um, and again, I know it's hard when you're like starting out, but I've always been quite clear. And I think that's just kind of grown and evolved over the years now. And I think it is really, especially as one on one, I work one on one with just with women. And it's, you know, women who are, you know, they're ambitious and they're committed and they're goal oriented and they want to put in the effort and work. Because, you know, I was talking to someone about this yesterday. You know, when it comes to my work with helping people with confidence, you can say everyone needs to work, you know, work on their confidence or something. Everyone can say, Oh, I need confidence or most people, but how many people want it? There's a difference just mm-hmm. because someone needs it doesn't mean they want it. So for me, I've always been about, I'm not trying to help everyone. I'm not, I'm trying to just work with the people who are like, yes, I want this. I see the value in this. I want to work with you. Let's do it. And that's energizing for me. I don't want yeah. to drag someone or pull them or I'm not going to convince anyone that they need to work with me or do this. You're either in, you see it or you don't, you know? Yeah.
0: So when you're doing that discovery call yeah. that you do to see if someone's going to be a good fit, I mean, both ways, they're also trying to see if you're a good fit for them. Uh, n- let's skip the non-ideal people because I guess we can we can all kind of feel the red flags and it's kind of productive to talk something so negative, but maybe shed some light on, you said you, you can tell when people are willing to put in the effort. Hmm. What is that? How do you suss that out? Do you have kind of fixed questions in there? Are you just checking the energy? Are you checking the flow of the conversation in that discovery call? Is it about their background? Is it about how they behave? What What are your key boxes that need to be checked? And how do you address that with them? Like, how do you bring it out of them directly or indirectly?
1: Mm. Yes, it's a kind of mix of, of all of those. So um, it's really the kind of space for, it's kind of like, okay, what's going on? You know, um, what made you want to have this call today? And I actually take them through an exercise. So initially we just kind of talk and usually they say, I want to be more confident in a work. For example, I really need to, or my boss has told me that I need to work on my confidence or I want to be a better public speaker. And that's the kind of the first thing. But the reason why I call myself a personal and professional development coach is because You know, our personal and professional lives are very much interlinked, you know. So if we have things that are off in our personal life, it's going to affect our professional and vice versa. So I actually take them through an exercise where we kind of look at their life as a whole and we say, okay, what are the other areas of your life uh, looking like right now? Your health, your fitness, um, your motivation, your stress, all these things. And then through there, they see, actually, I want to work on these areas. I've been neglecting these areas. I need to prioritize these areas. And so we kind of delve into that conversation a bit more and they're like, actually, I want to work on on this as well. And it's about getting started with three key areas. So I say, right, if we're going to start with three, which are the three that you want to start working on, and that's where we start. But then I kind of talk them through the process and I let them know early on that like you, this is going to require you to, to put in the work. This is not you coming to sessions and having a chat and then being like, bye. And Whatever you put into this is what you're going to get out. And I'm very, very clear with everyone on that. So I said, mm-hmm. I'm not here. I don't promise results, but I can show you examples of clients who have done amazing things as a result of putting in the work. And everything is tracked. You know, we, we have, you know, we track everything in the sessions. And so I, I really get that confirmation from them initially that they're going to be uncomfortable. They're going to have to put in, t- in the work. Yeah. Um, and once I kind of get that, they go to then it's kind of like, yeah, okay, let's go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you end up ever uh, firing clients if they're not putting in their work?
1: Um, Not firing clients, but we have uh, conversations. You yeah. have the different conversation, like, you know, what what's going on here? Yeah. And the thing is, especially with my line of work, is that if they're not, putting in the work it's because something is going on and that's what we delve into right so it's not about me just firing someone and saying bye you're not putting in the work it's like what what's going on here and usually it is something else usually there's something deeper that's going on for them and so once they realize that and we kind of work through that um then i mean i'll give you an example um we did a few sessions the other day with with um someone we got to our third session and um and I did check in with her on our discovery call the other day. I said, are you sure, you know, you, you, you're ready for this. Are you sure in all this? And she said, yes. By the third session, she said, I don't know, like I'm finding this really hard. don't know if I can continue anymore. I said, okay, let's, let's talk through it. Let's see what's going on. You know? So we spoke through it in the session and we had the session the next day. And it just turns out that Because she, you know, she says, I'm a perfectionist, I'm a perfectionist. She set these standards really high for herself that by the third week, everything should be okay and she should be happy and positive and her life should change. So we delved into that, you know, her expectations and, and what she's expecting from this and and herself and the journey. And then from then and realizing that, you know, the standard, the the, the kind of expectation she placed on herself in like two, three weeks, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of was a little bit unrealistic. So working through that and the patience and all of that, then she was like, yeah, okay. And I I did check in with her. I said, are you sure you want to continue? Are you ready? You know, And she's like, yes, 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 because she's now realized about patience and being kind to herself because that's essentially what we're working on, right? So it's a self-compassion part. So I think a lot of the time people are very hard on themselves and they think they're not doing a good job. So we have to work through that and then it becomes a lot more sort of smoother. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And in terms of, I wanted to check, um, about saying no as well so you've had these discovery calls you're not sure if you want to proceed but the person on the other end of the line is ready and willing to do anything to proceed and that's not just about ideal clients maybe it's partnership opportunities maybe someone reaches out and you know in this kind of connected world every time you go to an event and someone or even a zoom webinar or something like that you end up having this inbox of opportunities uh, I'm focusing on the ones that you don't want to do. Let's say you already know what you don't want to do. How are you at saying no to these situations? Because I struggle with this so much. I say yes to things because I haven't, you know, formulated exact reasons for why to say no to mm-hmm. someone firmly.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, is what I realize in as an mm-hmm. afterthought. But yeah, I just wanted to check with you. Are you... Yeah. Are you in that situation a lot where you end up saying no? And if so, Yeah, how?
1: all the time, <laughs> <laughs> all the time. You, <laughs> like, you can say no, no to this question. <laughs> <Queen of knows. laughs> no, I say no, no, I'm not going to answer this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, like I had Oh, this is something I really struggled with, really, really struggled with initially. And I would say yes when I should have said no. And it really comes down to that whole thing of like wanting to be nice and, you know, not wanting people to think badly of me and all that kind of stuff I had to work through, um, within myself. Um, but, and the thing is I I had some not so great experiences, so I actually learned the hard way. So, um, you know, I'd say yes to kind of collaborations and opportunities Mm -hmm. and it just didn't go well. It didn't go right. It just, um, the dynamic wasn't right or whatever it was. And for me, it was what I learned from that was if my gut is, is saying this is off, listen to that. If I don't feel good about it, that's it. I don't need to be logical about it and go into my mind. Obviously, yes, of course, a little bit, but a lot of the time I, I look back and I'm like, I knew something was off. Like I knew it, but I thought, no, this could be good because of X, Y, Z. And now, you know, like you said, that like there are, you know, meeting requests coming in, like collaborations, this and that. I cannot say there's only one me, right? I can't be everywhere. I've got to keep my sanity, my mental health, <laughs> my well-being as well. But you, but it's also about knowing what's aligned with you. And for me, if something isn't aligned, I'm like, no, it's either a hell yeah or a no. That's what I've learned. Unless I'm excited about something, it's going to be a no, because with me i can't hide how i feel so if i'm not excited about it, i'll probably show i probably won't be very motivated about it i probably won't put the work in and i like to you know put my 100% into things so if i'm not excited it's not going to you know do do a disservice to it so but it's about you know you can kind of say I think you don't have to overexplain when you say no, right? It could be a matter of like, thank you for reaching out. Um, this isn't quite a right fit for me right now. I wish you the best in it. Something like that. Like it doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, a long, long explanation and overexplain yourself. Because I think sometimes you can almost open the door for people to talk you out of it and try and yeah. convince you as well. Yeah,
0: and that's what Alina tells me all the time. She's like. You just make people fall in love with you and I just want to work <laughs> yeah. with you. And you don't. And you don't know how to say no to that because mm-hmm. you love the attention, which is true. <laughs> I like being liked. And that's that's a very mm-hmm. innate thing in, in a lot of us. So I'm not ashamed yeah. about that. But at the same time, so the balance I'm trying to strike with these no's is I wish, for example, if I had a log book of every time I said no, because I do have the tendency in parts of my life where I say no to a point of detriment. So no to something that w- might help me grow. Yes, it it kind of does align with my values, kind of doesn't, but it's not something that I'm comfortable doing. And am I saying no because I'm not comfortable doing it because on the other mm-hmm. side of comfort is, um, or uncomfortable is the growth? And am I being lazy? Am mm-hmm. I being incompetent by saying no as well? And that's just a fear I have. So I wish, maybe I should do a log book every time I say mm-hmm. no and why I said no. Because these values that you talk about, we feel like we have them, Kind of, you know, in 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 the ether out there, they're they're there. We haven't written them down for when we take on an opportunity and when not. Mm. It's more like you said, like we check with our gut. <laughs> i Don't always trust my gut. <laughs> I should, I should, but like sometimes I just feel like. So I'll, I'll give you mm. uh, the reason why I'm asking. So another friend of mine runs a business, very old school uh, in terms of family businesses. They've been handing down each other's businesses, and then they're starting their own. Uh, he's in his mid thirties and his reaction is never say no. It's like all business is yes. And I take on everything and anything and I will not sleep and I'll, I need to build this thing. And, and Alina's mm-hmm. trying to explain to me like, but that's them. It's mm-hmm. the same people that have learned from like a generation ago that you take a job yeah. regardless of how your boss is. Mm-hmm. That's not the current generation. Yeah. We're like, no, our boss needs to be nice too. And, you know, mm-hmm. it needs to be an energy exchange at at your work as well. But he's from that mindset where he's like, You're stupid for saying no to somebody. Mm. If they're giving you money and they're willing to work with you, it does you don't have to like them. And that's the thing that I kind of draw the line at. So Lena and I, when we got into business, we left our corporate jobs to not be around yeah. people that we can we can choose our surrounding now, awesome. right? We can choose who to have around. And maybe that's less money in the short term. Mm-hmm. So the last six months have sucked for us because we've said no way more than we ever have. Mm. And we're making less, way less money than I've ever made in my life. Mm. But there's so much peace.
1: Yeah.
0: there's <laughs> So much peace. Mm. And I look back to some of the yeah. clients that say that it didn't work out with or we didn't want to move forward. Mm. It would have been a nightmare. Yeah. It would, have been, it would have been hard to get out of.
1: Yeah, I think. And, and you obviously, this is where your values come in as well. Yeah. Like obviously... You've seen what peace feels like and you're like, wow, this, this feels good. This feels nice. And as you said as well, it's like you don't leave, make the decision to leave like your corporate role to then put yourself in situations where you're tied into things you don't want to do. You might as well have stayed in the office, right? You might as well stayed in that, um, in that situation. The whole point of you doing your own thing is that you have the freedom and that you can choose, Mm -hmm. Um, so like you said, if it's going to start sucking you dry or make you feel down, then then why are you doing it? It's, it's not worth it. But again, that's yeah. where your values comes in. It Because if for your friend, that's not important to them. Again, if money and, and all that is, um, the progression is more important, that's fine. That's great. That's more important to them. But like you said, they might not sleep, they might not eat, they might not have the self-care. But then of course that comes with its consequences as well, right? So, yeah. yeah.
0: I, it's It's the price you're willing to pay, I guess. Yeah. And I guess some prices were less willing to pay or we're learning over time as we continue Mm -hmm. to grow we've only been around two or three years now so newbies into this um i want to take you back in time again Uh, when you were on the bridge of entrepreneurship as i like to call it uh it's a very nice Mm -hmm. bridge um i'm gonna draw a painting of it someday so when you were uh, when you were trying to step away from your corporate ladder Mm -hmm. What were your biggest fears and considerations? And I want you to tell me without telling me how you overcame them, but what was bothering you the most about going out on your own, doing this thing as a full on career? Um, What was the anti case? What was the, you know, left shoulder um, angel saying, don't do this, Alia, Mm. it's going to be very bad for you. What were were some of the no, don't do this um, cases that you were building up in your mind?
1: I think it was the like the first thing that comes to mind is like how could I do something like this like how can I like who am I to do something like this um and especially being you know like young as well like it was kind of the thing about who will take me seriously um you know wanting to help people and support me, be a coach they're going to be like you know you're, how how can you help people at this age and and with the lack of experience and all of that um and it was very, I mean, I just, it was very, my, my track so far was very kind of clear cut. It was like, you know, uni and then job and then my next role. So thinking outside of the box was something completely new as well. And I come from a family of professionals and not business owners. So it was something quite new and different as well. Um, and so it was just like suddenly opening your mind to something different and, the first thing you know with this fail what if i do it and i and i fail so all of those thoughts um were, were coming up you know initially um thinking what if what if i try and i fail it doesn't go right and yeah
0: so you're massive impostering
1: oh massive yeah. yeah massively yeah so you, yeah
0: you have the same background i think you don't you don't have a business family right yeah mentioned so what was the reaction of family friends and i'm talking friends that were in the medical career with you that were not thinking what were what were some of the phrases that you remember till today about when you made the decision, like, that's it, I'm doing it, I'm quitting, mm-hmm. I've done my accreditations, I'm on my own now. What was the support system like at that point? Um, or lack of support? System. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, it's interesting because, yeah. Um, yeah, you kind of see two sides. I think you see different react responses from different people um i think i'm lucky that my my family were super supportive of it you know they were like you know if that's what you want to do you know that's great um you should go for it you know try it at least um Uh, And then, yeah, I think some friends are super supportive, some not so supportive, actually. So, you know, it's kind of like, um, how can you do something different? Or sometimes if you have the courage to do something differently and people deep down want to do that and they're not, it can cause a little bit of friction almost. So I had to kind of go through that. And I think sometimes when you step out and do things differently, you also see other sides to people. And sometimes your relationships change as a result as well. Yeah. Uh, Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's it was kind of similar for us to, I guess, well, I was quite late into the journey. So I was 33, 34. By the time I jumped ship, family was not happy. Mm. <laughs> like you have a good thing going here. Like you've built up a solid career. You have a trajectory, stop messing around. And even before I started the business, I'd moved around different industries quite a bit. Um, I'd get to one, I'd get good at it. Then I get mm. bored. Then I move to the next one. And yeah. I did that a bunch of times. And, um, uh, especially my my I remember my mom and my sisters because they come from that background where none of us have ever done business always kind of the the package the benefits the 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 sobriety of it all just like go in nine to five just Mm. having your path kind of cleared out for you they were worried and maybe that worry came as lack of support Mm. and for the first year or two they thought it was just a, a passion project too right like so they treat it as a passion project where they're like oh you can always go back into the job Mm. right and that's what we thought like okay i'm experienced enough to get back into the work field without ever losing you know my salary level or whatever else might be so they thought oh it's his hobby let him play
1: yeah
0: (laughs) Uh, but the thing that you mentioned there and we can dig into that is you start changing who you surround yourself with yeah once you go out kind of your own because these conversations like the ones that we're Mm. having very diff, very difficult to have that with salaried people Mm. Or you can't do that for too long. You can't. Yeah. I find I can't hold conversations with salary people for a long amount of time, unless I've known them since mm-hmm. I was kids, like my childhood friends. Yeah, I can talk to them forever. But yeah, um, I feel like my circle has now vastly changed to more entrepreneurs mm-hmm. versus salary people. Is that the same for you? Um,
1: yeah. Mostly entrepreneurs. I would say, yeah, a couple mm-hmm. of close friends who are like professionals in salaries, but most of them are. Yeah. The conversation is different. Yeah, I think. Yeah.
0: And not to say that I, yeah. I don't like salaried mm. people because I think you you can do really great things. Yeah, of course. Working a job and, and working a career. There, there are things yeah. that they'll be able to do that I will never be able to achieve or the value that they might provide to humanity mm. might be in total more than yeah. I would. And I respect them uh, for that. It's just the unnecessary stressing that we do <laughs> as mm, business owners yeah. is not really you know you you try to talk it out people and they're like oh what do you worry about you got a business I'm like yeah i was talking to my barber the other day and he, he asked me it's like so what do you do i'm like oh i have a business yeah he's like oh wow you're set and like hey, no i've never made less money in my life <laughs> what do you talk? but yeah. they they shower this praise on you right they mm-hmm. say like wow you must great be thing. you must be great like when's your next tesla coming in yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> not a long time Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to also ask you, Mm -hmm. um, given these bouts of impostering when you started and the support from friends and changing the social circles, when did you first realize you're onto something good? When did you, that first moment, there must be a lot along the way as as you keep checking in with yourself. Yeah. But what was the first time you're like, oh, I made the right decision?
1: I think it was just like when I just started coaching and, um, made a positive impact. And, you know, you'd have those light bulb moments with clients and they're like, Oh, wow, that's really helped me. Um, I remember actually one of the first clients that I started working with, um, we started working a lot of on her limiting beliefs when it comes to work and the way she sees herself and just like few things she started to differently. She started sitting somewhere else at work and not, you know, surrounding herself with everyone and chit-chatting and all that. She started being really serious and And you're kind of liaising with mentors at work. And then within a couple of months, she actually was promoted. And that was one of my first clients. It was actually my first client. Um, And it was just incredible. And I was like, wow, you know. And just because her mind was like opened and she saw herself as like somewhere beyond where she is now. And she moved in that direction. So for me, seeing these, these shifts... I was like, wow, you know, I want to do more of this. This is great. (laughs) It's fun. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And do you, um, do you have the same habit that I do that I, continually watch my own customer testimonials just (laughs) just (laughs) when i'm having a bad day i don't turn on netflix i'd rather look you're doing (laughs) good in the world
1: (laughs) watch video Name's great he's the best
0: (laughs) it helps a lot it's my therapy but but no yeah that having having that kind of feedback from your first ever client yeah um
1: yeah it was it was really great so um and then just like you know people small things like they've been really hard on themselves and then suddenly they can start looking in the mirror. And again, this is like four years ago, right? These shifts or, you know, when I first started, it was very much like, it was all about confidence, but you know, write down, at least you write down 10 things that you like about yourself, 10 positive qualities that you have. I remember one of my first ever sessions and she was quite senior and I think she was in finance. This is back in London and she, she couldn't write anything. And we just sat there and I said, like, I'm gonna give you the time that you need, right? And then finally she started writing a few and then to be able to even do that, you know, it was like, wow, Um, big moments like that. Yeah, kind of early on. So I think just from kind of seeing these shifts and seeing people then start to walk differently, talk differently, you know, put themselves out there at work and, you know, telling their friends. And then I started running workshops. So this is back in London. I started running confidence workshops and I started bringing women together. And that's what I loved is that because a lot of people on this journey of personal growth, I don't know if you felt this, um, is it can be very isolating because suddenly you're like, hey, I I think I see the world differently now. Um, I don't just want to be like just nine to five with my friends and hanging out and like talking about, you know, bitching about our boss. Like I want to do more in life. And then suddenly you outgrow your circle and it's like this is really uncomfortable now. Like, I, I, you know, I'm outgrowing my friends. So I would like, you know, run these workshops and like bring like minded people together. And then like, so that was really cool as well. So, cause I was like, I don't ever want anyone to feel like they're alone. So if I can provide these spaces and Hey, you can meet someone, connect and grow together. That's like amazing to see. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, when you talk about my personal journey with self-growth, it feels like, have you, have you heard of the lobster analogy to growth? I'm probably going to butcher it, and I shouldn't really check my facts before I tell stories on the podcast. But
1: I'm just thinking your friends th- when Phoebe's like, "You're a lobster." <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> He's a lobster. No.
0: Although I should, I should, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I should mention I thought that. Thought you were going to
1: call your wife your <laughs> no, lobster. No,
0: no. <laughs> no, not one of those. But like, so a lobster's shell, okay, um, it's fixed in size. It actually, it's not a muscle, so it doesn't oh, grow wow. with the lobster. So the inside of the lobster as the organic part of it, mm. is growing and growing and growing until it outgrows its own shell, wow. at which point it has to discard and shed off its own shell, at which point it's extremely vulnerable. It's afraid. Mm. Uh, it's, um, it's a target for predators. It has to go down to the depths of the ocean where it's dark and hide under a rock wow. until it can grow back a new shell. And that's, wow. that's what I feel. I've had so many lobster moments in my life um, just to find myself in those vulnerable places like that's the that's the mm-hmm. weird thing about doing self-work yeah it can actually make you feel bad initially yeah and it can make you feel as you were saying uncomfortable and but if you if you start to like look at that or keep that lobster in mind not phoebe's lobster but, but, but this one i'm sure we'll find a way to fit that one <laughs> into actually let's talk about phoebe's lobster who do you call most at uh 2 a.m for business advice these days.
1: For business advice, um well I I don't call anyone at 2 a.m. <laughs> I'm like sleeping safe at 2 a.m. Okay. Um, <laughs>
0: eat my 8 hours. <laughs>
1: um I have uh I actually have it depends on what I need um need advice on actually. So um yeah, I think I'm I actually have a few different friends who I'd call it literally depends on on what it is. So, I have um those was, there was a an experience recently where I was like really thinking about a collaboration op- opportunity and I didn't have a good feeling about it at all. Um but I have a friend who's like very savvy and just really tells it how it is so i called him i was like hey i need to speak this through with you can we go through it um actually just met with him like to have that conversation he was like nope get out like he just instantly talked me through it and we dissected it and stuff so I think it's just like, who's my go-to for whatever the situation mm-hmm. is? Um, yeah, and where they're on their journey, I would so say. So have a network. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Quite a few of my closest friends are entrepreneurs as well. So no. re- yeah, reach out to them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Are you part of any groups locally here?
1: Yeah, I'm a few, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. a few groups. Um, so like a uh, British business group that I've joined, that, that one I've done. I've joined like a small kind of intimate uh, networking group that we meet every two weeks as well. Uh, I would say it's great to be part of business groups uh, mm-hmm. for sure because um, again it's like how can we support each other I love that like how mm-hmm. can we help each other how can we support each other yeah. um, which I think is is really good and helping each other tap into each other's networks.
0: Yeah Alina has generally been better uh, than me at yeah. this so she's she's a part of a few too female fusion is the one that mm-hmm. she's most connected to and it's it's done wonders uh, yeah. for her and I've I don't know what my block is part of. So I am mostly an introvert. I'm an extroverted introvert and I don't like being out too much with a lot of people. It takes, um, it takes more time for me to recuperate my energy. So Mm -hmm. after this conversation, (laughs) (laughs) I I need a nap, I need a big meal and (laughs) like a baby, basically (laughs) I need my pillow, my little cushion has bunny ears on it. And yeah, so i need to recover Mm -hmm. a lot from that, but you know, um, I, I'm really lacking that. And that's like a, a reminder for myself to really explore and again, be, become vulnerable. Maybe. Yeah. maybe it needs needs more practice, right? Like what would you say to people that are, that can benefit from groups, whether they're corporate mm. employees or business owners and how to break in and sustain being in a group? Let's say, let's assume that they found the right one because yeah. that's another journey on, on its yeah. own. Assume you found something. How do you
1: Okay. Um. Can I give an example of literally when I first started out? This yeah. uh, this always comes to my mind when I think of networking. Yeah. So um, I was like, I think two months in. So I was still in London at this time, and there was a networking event that was happening that night. This was like December, so it was cold. It was raining, and oh, just a miserable night. And I was like, oh, I, I don't want to go. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way I'm going to this um, this event. But anyway, I somehow coached myself through it, got myself out the door, went to this event and oh, it was overwhelming. It was really overwhelming. And I was naturally someone who is a little bit reserved as well. I think I'm more extroverted, but I'm, I am still quite reserved. You know, I'm not someone who can just be like, hi, hi in a room. So I found that super overwhelming. Of course, it's become easier with practice and over, the, over, the t- over time, mm-hmm. but I remember um, having a conversation. So remember, I'd only just started my you know business two months earlier and I'm specializing in confidence and started talking. Yeah, exactly. Right. Walking my walk. That's why I went. And so um, uh, I went there and then there was this, this guy, this videographer there who I started speaking to. And he was like, oh, wow, I love what you do. I'm going to fashion London fashion week uh, next week. Um, I'm going to, you know, spend the day, you know, backstage, why don't you come with me and we'll spend the day like interviewing models and, you know, fashion bloggers, designers, all that. Let's do a piece on confidence. And I was like, wow. Anyway, so I went with him and literally spent the day like a London fashion week. And I was interviewing all these like celebrities, like designers and model and put together some really great content for that. And that was a great opportunity. I mean, like literally like two months in of me starting, And so for me, that's always my go-to. And obviously people were like, wow, this is so cool. You know, you've done this and it taught me a lot about confidence and and my content. So for me, that's always my go-to story of like, whenever I don't want to go, I'm like, look, you never know what's going to come from that event. Honestly, it's just one conversation or I find that a lot of time at networking events, people will be like, Hey, why don't you come to this? Or Hey, let's do this. So you just never know, like you know, what the next step could be from that. So yeah, yeah. just getting yourself there,
0: especially in a city like Dubai, right? Like everyone is yeah. three degrees away, or at least two degrees away Which from everyone else, and can open doors for you for things that you don't even know that you want yeah. to do, and but you're already ready for it. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe maybe keeping the bigger picture in mind about because I've I've had instances like that um as well it's just about again i need to keep logs to remind myself i mm. think i need like a break uh break glass in case of yeah.
1: fire kind of book like
0: remember when this good
1: thing happened Yeah, <laughs> need to yeah. Go there. But, um, but also just to add to that i mean like i think to to be in this line of work i realized early on as well is that you have to have a crazy amount of self-discipline you know, there's, there's no one on your back, right? If you decide not to do anything for three days, no one's going to be there. Like, Hey, like, where are you? What are you doing? Of course, like clients, you have to show up for them, but there's no like manager or saying someone saying, get out of bed. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to be like crazily self-disciplined, you know, get up, get out of bed, have a routine, you know, all these things. And a part of that is doing things you don't want to do. That's what Mm -hmm. self-discipline is. It's like, if you go to things according to your mood, then you know your mood fluctuates right so Mm -hmm. you've got to be super self-disciplined of like well this is this event is good for me because xyz and just like yeah just not always doing things that you want to do or feel like doing right
0: this is why i have mad respect for people that kind of go into their entrepreneurial journey pretty early uh so vuk that was here earlier he went straight into business after graduating and um the reason I have that respect for them is I worked as a corporate employee for 10 years. So I have practice in things you mentioned, doing what I don't want to do, yeah. having a routine. It, it was given to me by, mm. the, by the situation, but then it's drilled into me, and that's the only way I work. So yeah. I knew when I wanted to start the own, my own business, I would have to keep those things because yeah. they have been working throughout um, for centuries. So mm. no need to mess with that. Yeah. Forget the whole Silicon Valley, I sleep when I want, wake up when I want kind of thing. I want to be a professional in whatever I do. But mad respect for people who don't have that much of an experience and still have to find themselves uh, doing uncomfortable things. Like the amount of times you do things you don't want to do as a worker, as an employee, Mm. um, is at least nine times out of (laughs) ten. You want to do one out of ten things that you're given to do, right? So, okay, Um, talking about things to do or given to do. Do you have or have you written yourself a job description as a
1: business owner? Um, an actual like JD, yeah. an actual job description. Um, you know what an interesting question. I, I haven't actually no. So um mm-hmm. I mean I know pretty much what it is that I do, but I've not written it out as a like a job description. Yeah.
0: If you were to write it out, um, mm. how long would it be?
1: How long would it be? <laughs> um probably
0: Or how short would it be?
1: At least a page, yeah, definitely a page. No more than a. I mean, obviously, if when I started four years ago, it was like pages and pages and pages, right? Like making my own website, this and that. But I don't know, a page, page and a half, I would say, page, something like that.
0: Not bad, because the reason I ask is I was talking to another coach, a sales coach. That's
1: too long. (laughs) I
0: I made one. I was so proud. Yeah, Um, I read a book. The E Myth Revisited. Have you read that book? Which book? The E Myth Revisited. No,
1: no, I haven't. I'll definitely.
0: Pick it I, uh, definitely, definitely need to pick no. it up. Um, so the book recommended Write Yourself a Job Description so you can find out what you do. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah, what the hell do I do? Yeah. And I was so proud. It was eight pages long.
1: Oh, uh, wow. And
0: I took it to the sales coach. He's like, You're mad. You're yeah. crazy. You're stupid. I was like, Why? He's like, Your job description as a business owner needs to be max a page, mm. no longer. And uh, if it is eight pages long, I said, no, the font size was too big. He said, regardless, <laughs> he, he said, yeah, you're either doing um, too much shit that you shouldn't be doing yeah. or you don't know how to delegate. Mm. Both of those things were true. Yeah. And they still are true. Uh, so I'm trying to work it down.
1: Mm. Um,
0: how have you found um, delegating or giving away tasks? You said like previously you'd have something that's longer yeah. as well and you've try to bring it down. How has that journey been for you? How yeah. do you identify things you don't want to do anymore mm. or give away How yeah. do you keep track of uh, things like that?
1: Yeah. Well, initially as well, like it's, it's budget as well. So, you know, when I first started, I didn't have the budget to get someone to, you know, create a website for me. So I did that myself and, you know, things like that. But then again, I think as you start to progress, you realize that, you know, your, your time is, is really precious and you need to be, you know, I mean, look, I know, what I like doing and what I'm good at. And I know what I'm terrible at, Like, there's a lot of things I'm terrible at. So why put my time and energy into those things? That's going to take me longer. And when there's people who actually enjoy doing those things. So I'll just focus on, on what I can do when when my element, of course I do things that I don't want to do as well, but just being super clear. And, you know, of course, when I first started, I was working like seven days a week. I was working nights, like, you know, didn't really have much of a routine. It was just all over the place. But now I'm very clear. It's like five days a week, you know, mm-hmm. then I have my, my own time. I have the work-life balance and, that, and that's important to me. So it's a result of knowing when to delegate for sure. Yeah. Just knowing like, what is this worth my time? And if not, I can just delegate it and outsource it.
0: And you're getting better every day at knowing what's worth your time.
1: I think it's still like a work in progress. I think there yeah. are still some things that I, I do struggle to let go of at times. I do because it's like, no, like it's my baby yeah. or, yeah. you know, I can do it right. I've really struggled with that as well for the longest time. No, I, I think that I still, there is still room for improvement to delegate more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that also takes time to sit down as well and being like, okay, what can I give more, you know, um, what can I give more of away? way yeah. that makes sense? Yeah.
0: Which leads me to my next question then. Mm-hmm. So are you running this all by yourself? Do you have any full-time staff? Is it just you at this point?
1: Um, I have a lot of like freelancers yeah. who I work with, but for me, it's me and then hiring freelancers as I need them. Yeah, yeah. but I'm looking now to definitely expand as time goes on. Yeah. Can
0: we talk about that? Because sure. I wanted to, I'm really curious, how do mm. you scale this personal brand, right? Like your, your whole model is right now built on you yeah and you mentioned earlier in the conversation you have limited time in the day and there's only x amount of places you can be yeah which may again limit to the growth uh, that your business can see so how are you working around that right now what are your what are your plans what are you how are you thinking about scaling
1: so for now it's very much like i'm pretty yeah i'm pretty happy with the kind of flow of things now where I, like i have my clients i run my group sessions i'm doing my trainings and I think it's as you said it's just me right and there's only one of me in this limited time so I'm in a position now where it is yeah about like growing a team so it's about growing a team and I'm actually at that stage if I'm really honest of figuring out what that is because yeah. I think you get to a place where it's like things are good things are working you know you get to a good place and then you get to that point then where it's like okay, things are kind of just happening. They're kind of coasting. What's the next stage? So I'm kind of re- at that stage now where it's like, what's next? And I think the reason why I'm trying to figure it out is because there's there's different ways, there's different paths that I can take right now. And what so I'm just figuring.
0: So like, for example, wouldn't it be like bringing on coaches and teaching them what you do kind of thing? Or?
1: That's that's an option as well. Yeah, because obviously when you know,
0: All right. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. Please do share this episode with someone you think will enjoy it as much as you did. To find out who else will be coming on or to recommend someone I should talk to, please follow my Instagram. It's at myfirstbusinesspodcast or go to the website myfirstbusinesspodcast.com. And that's all folks.